Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor John. What an amazing church you are. Really, honestly, honestly, honestly. I've always said it's the best church in the world, but you just keep proving it. Wonderful. God is... God is good, and the devil can go to hell. But none of you, none of you may go to hell, right? Praise God. I'm so glad that I'm born again, and my name's in the book of life. Really? You know, God's not a Muslim. He's not. He's not a Buddhist. He's not a Hindu. He's a Christian. The only way to heaven is through Jesus. It's a free gift. You've got to be brain damaged not to want this easy, free gift of salvation. I mean, really. What must you do? Just receive. That's it. It's win, 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 all the way win. Right? Amen. I am not teaching the same thing in the second service, so I want to appeal to you to obtain the earlier services of recording, whatever else you get it. I also prophesied over the nation what the Lord has been telling me for some time now. I've been praying very hard for South Africa's future, and I put it on the, in the first service, I verbalized it, so please get the recording. Otherwise, if you can put up that slide there, you can also go on our app. We have an app, our own personal app. You can just do a search for Ed Trout, and you'll have it. It'll download anything you like, and web, 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 web page to propheticlife.com. You can sign up for our life words. Andrew encouraged me years ago to do daily devotionals, and I've been doing them ever since, every single day myself. You can have a daily devotion, either download it to your email or you can get it on the app. It's available every day. And prophecies there from different people, including myself, on that app. So please get that and be, enjoy, be blessed, serve God. There's no one else like Him. It's a great thrill for me to be in South Africa because America has gone down a very bad slope of being backslidden and very immoral generally. And I've... God sent me to America, and against I fought it very hard, but I'm there because he wanted me there. I was part of, part of the, the Rapids ministry for many years, and my wife was saying a few days ago the happiest years of our lives when we were part of the uh, Rapids ministry and the Rapids family, it was the happiest years of our lives. You are so privileged in this church to have the leadership you have. They have such a, a presence and anointing on them. There's no performance. There's no charisma. It's all God. And that you are very blessed... And I have to tell you this because you come here so often you don't know and realize what you have. But for you, a status quo or seems average and normal is outstanding by far. You are very privileged to be part of a very powerful and amazing church and good leadership. Very, very godly. I love the anointing. I love the Holy Ghost. I feel it all around this family and leadership. I'm very thrilled even that they have me come here. I'm so grateful to be here. All right. Uh, please turn your Bibles to the book of Acts. Handelingen hoofdstuk 28. Dan ja, ek so Afrikaans gepreek het, maar dit word my nie toegelaat nie. Ek weet die Heer is Afrikaans, want as ek my gebed, as ek my gebed vinnig verantwoord wil, wil, wil hee, dan moet ek in Afrikaans bid, dan kom baie vinnig die antwoord. As ek Engels bid, dan vat dit bykie langer. Full for me, so. Chapter 28, verse 1. Book of Acts. I would like to honor also, if I may, someone 
that's been very dear to me. I was born again in the early 60s, mid-60s. I got born again. I walked into a Pentecostal church. The first time I heard the gospel was with a lady called Auntie Sunny. She came to our school in Cape Town, Friedrich Primary School, and she had a big flannel board and told us about Jesus. I remember the story to this day that she told. And then she invited us to the nearest Pentecostal church. And long story short, I ended up in this Pentecostal church where a man by the name of Jimmy Crompton was preaching, and he preached the hell out of me. And I got saved five Sundays in a row. They were an amazing family. I had a huge revival on their farm in Marydale and really affected the whole world. The whole world, I would say, easily. Their family touched many lives, and they all were in the ministry. And the last surviving of the, of the aunts and uncles of, of Jimmy Crompton now is here today. And uh, her name is Stella Ehlert. She was a pastor's wife for many, many years. And uh, since she had what's known famous women's conference called Kiara. You may have heard of it. She was the author of that and many years ministered there. She's been up in Africa as a missionary and now retired at the age of 120, I believe it is, or something like that. <laughs> I'd like her to stand if you could, Stella. Stand with your opposite, believe it. I mean, it's Dani Stella. A real general in God's kingdom. A woman that has labored for God in all her life and uh, done great things, great things for the Lord. Uh, so chapter 28, verse 1 reads like this. And Paul, <clears throat> who had been on this journey and was taken captive as a, almost like a criminal on his way to, to go appear before Caesar, had warned them not to get in the ship and go and leave because he could perceive or saw, spiritually felt there'd be a storm and that they would lose the cargo of the ships and their lives. It was a very dangerous storm. And two of those parts of their prophecy came to pass. They lost the ship and the cargo. But he prayed when an angel came to him and said, you have to. The angel said, you have to appear before Caesar. So you cannot die. It's an amazing thing to get a prophetic word in the middle of your storm. Talking of which, you know, most of us think a storm is something that happens when you mess up. Or take, made a wrong decision. Or did something somehow. Nobody as a Christian thinks you're in a storm because God led you there. Jesus said, let us go to the other side. He said it. They got in the boat and went on their way to the other side. And he knew there'd be a major storm. And he knew to take a nap. But he sent them anyway into the storm. And in the storm, like any good Christians, they whined and complained to Jesus. Don't you care that we're dying, we're drowning? And he calms the storm and he turns to them and says, you still have no faith. Sent them into the storm, knowing there'd be a storm, to exercise their faith. Storms are needed for your faith to get stronger. Storms are your friend, not food. They are your friend. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm telling you? When, you? when you're in a storm, when you find yourself in a crisis, don't panic. Look to see what the Lord is doing. He said he'd never leave nor forsake you, and he didn't leave them in the boat. He just never warned them to take a nap. In your storm... Often, you need him to respond and he's taking a while to get with the program because he's watching how you deal with your storm. Do you understand? All right. Now, they've been through this crisis of a storm and he had seen an angel and said, you have to appear before Caesar and God has graciously granted all the lives of those sailing with you. So none of you will drown, die. We're all going to be okay. And it happened just like that. 
Now, on the island, it's called Malta. They didn't plan on being there. They had no control over it. They met these Malteans, and they are very nice people. They came from Pretoria originally. <laughs> Once safely ashore, the Bible says, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. Unusual kindness. See? Pretorians. And they were built a fire, about to have a braai, and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he was put on the fire, a viper driven up by the heat fastened itself on his hand. Of all the people in, that got saved off that ship, the snake picked Paul. Ever wondered, why does stuff keep happening to me? Why me, Lord? What did I do? You feel like you're always going through something, and you wonder why it happens to you, and it seems to be one thing after another. And I'm glad the Paul bits, but Paul because the others didn't have faith. The man writing the book called Luke writes in the previous chapter, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. This, these are Christians that just did, thought, okay, we're going to die. Here we go. But not Paul. He got up and said, no, no, an angel appeared to me. I'm going to Caesar and God's just graciously granted all your life, so you're going to make it. And he had faith. So when the snake bit him, he was already in faith. He already had a prophetic word that he has to go. And he got complete confidence, no matter what, how ten snakes could bite him, he's going to Caesar because God said it. Right? All right. Now, so here's the thing. When the islanders saw, in verse 4, the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer. It's amazing how total strangers have an, always an opinion about your life. And immediately, you always get what you deserve. If a bad thing's happened to you, you deserve that you're bad. If a good thing happens to you, you're good. Not so. Not so. The rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. Bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. Life happens. It's just we that are born again have an advantage. We have someone we can turn to that will always fight for us. Always. And it's always a wonderful opportunity to express his great power once again. And so the islanders had this opinion right away, this judgment that he was a bad guy. And so though he escaped from the sea, the goddess justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. It's how you respond in your panic situation. You'll be facing your life throughout your life with situations that you can always panic. The devil loves to get you to panic. Because where panic and fear is, is faith absent. If you will listen to the news all day, every day, and watch all the negative things on Facebook, you will have faith for the negative. You know, that I believe that the devil is not greater than our Lord Jesus. But yet the Lord could do no miracles in Nazareth because of the people's unbelief. He was limited to their faith. Is that true? Then how can the devil do stuff to me unless I'm believing for it? So he has to create the faith. It's the mirror image of faith. It's called fear. That which you fear will come upon you. So he generates constant negative report and you begin to fear. And then he's got a real atmosphere. So when he gets you in a panic situation, something, some sort of crisis that you react, that you react in a panic, He's already got your faith under violent attack. So when you have a problem situation, don't panic. Turn to the Lord. Go lock yourself in the bathroom for a few minutes and talk to the Lord. Because that's where your life comes from. Your source of everything comes from the Lord. Right? Never panic. Never. When you're panicking, you're kicking your faith out the door. 
Try not to panic. Rethink it through. Give me a moment. Thank you. Go and pray and hear from the Lord. And he didn't panic. He shook the snake off. And the people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. All in one day. He went from being a devil to a god all in one day. People change their mind. They're so fickle. And yet, we are so influenced by people's opinions. We, especially the Afrikaner, want to super come what shall the people think? And they are super self-fallig. Today they feel this way, tomorrow they think that. It changes all the time. You do not rise and fall on the opinions of man. Jesus didn't care what people thought about him. He didn't need them to like him. He didn't need them not to like him. John 2 tells us he didn't need man's approval or man's opinion. He was completely comfortable in what God said. He always took his, his cue, his initiative from the Lord. And that's how we as children of God look. His people change. They may be against you today and for you tomorrow. And then, and then when they're for you, then they turn against you. You can't go by their opinions. And they change all the time. You've always got to be dependent upon what the Lord says. Closeness of relationship, the pattern of Jesus, the pattern of his life. Every time he did anything, he only did what he heard the Father say or saw the Father do. And when a situation arose he didn't know how to handle, he went straight up to the Lord and had a good conversation. An example is when the 5,000 were chanting on the, on the Beatitudes mountain, make him king. They were chanting, make him king. They were so overwhelmingly impressed by his feet in the 5,000 that they wanted to make him king. And he sent them all away because he doesn't remember the father saying that or showing him that. So something totally new to him and foreign. So the only way to deal with it was to get to the headquarters. Sends them all away, including his disciples. And then he spent all night praying. And I know the conversation went something like this. Father, they want to make me king. And the father said, you are king. They can't make you any more the king than you are. The king of all kings. And so he came down the mountain glowing, full of glory, walking on water. Full of the glory of God. He always took his information and leading from the father. He didn't do anything by himself. He picked 60 or 70 disciples, and then from them, after praying, he picked the 12. Which shows you the Lord was never metric. He's always been into the dozens. <laughs> Did you not know that? He didn't have 10 on the throne. It's not 100,000. It's 144,000 Revelation. See? I just want you to know that. I thought I might share that with you. Confused you, didn't I? But I want you to, this morning to grasp in your heart. You're not going to pay attention to people's opinions, what people tell you. You're always going to take your information from the Lord, no matter what it looks like. Because things can always look different, but God is the God, as we sang today, of the impossible. And He'll always push you to the limits to believe Him constantly. When Martha and Mary, who are friends of Jesus, she, they had a brother. The whole semantics of that was the little town that was close to Jerusalem, two miles away, called Bethany. They were wealthy, good, uh, renowned people in the town. And so Jesus based out of their often and brought all his entourage and they fed them, took care of them. And so Martha always gets the reputation of being a very carnal Christian because she was so upset because she's cooking all the food by herself and Mary's just sitting listening to all that Jesus says. When their brother dies, they keep sending word. And when you have a relationship more than the average Christian and you're really intensely in love with the Lord and pray a lot, you expect him to give you special attention or 
to react or respond. And there they are sending word, come heal my brother, he's dying, come quickly. And he's dead now, several days already in in the tomb when Jesus finally comes. Martha runs to meet him while Mary stays behind. And she says to him, you should have been here. We often hold God responsible for all our situations, we blame him. Why didn't you do this, God? If only you had done this. I didn't ask you. Why didn't why did I don't, we don't rebel against God? We just use our own phraseology. I don't understand. Yeah, like you understand God's ways, really? If you trust Him, if you knew everything God knew, you wouldn't need to trust Him. And that's the complete abandonment, trusting the Lord without information. Just knowing that He's got your back. In the palm of his hand, he's got you completely covered. He loves you so much as long as you let him have full control. Are you, are you, still, are you still with me? So Martha meets him and says, you should have been here. My brother wouldn't have died. And then she says, but even now, I know that when you pray, God hears you. And when she said that because she gave room for a miracle, even though he's a rigor mortis in the grave, Jesus is so fascinated by her progress, he sits down. And they have a long conversation. He says, but you know... Your brother will rise again. Yes, I know, Lord, he'll, he'll rise on that resurrection day. No, no, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, I believe. And she says these most amazing words that so many Christians miss. She says, I do believe. I believe that you're the Messiah, the Son of God. When Peter said that Son of God, it excited Jesus to no end that he made a big scene of it. He said, blessed are you, Peter, because flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. When Martha said it, he realized Martha, being in the kitchen, making all those, whatever she was making, babuati, what do you call it? So she was a good, good cook in the kitchen all by herself for all those people. She was listening and she learned something. So he's so enthralled with her, he sat down and he said, go call your sister. Now he came there to heal or raise up Lazarus. But he's not doing it. He's sitting down. He wants Mary to come. Why? Because God's more focused on your eternity than he is about your near-today comforts. You must get that. So many things in your life have a much bigger program and plan than your natural mind is seeing. God does so many things in your life to fulfill things in your life. Things that are going, you've often said, it's like I've come a whole circle Yes, you have, because that's what God's doing. God's always fulfilling things. Jesus said, the Son of Man must do all things that can be fulfilled. One day someone asked me, why did Jesus even go into the pool of Bethesda with all these sick people and heal only one person? Just heal one person, walk right out. Because he came to fulfill all things. In the earlier chapters of 2 Samuel, 1 Samuel, we find that David coming into the city of Jerusalem, the final battle of the different... Philistines, the Jebusites, they stood on the wall of their little city and they mocked at David and said, you will not take this city. Even a blind man and a lame man will keep you out. And so when the son of David came to the city, he went to the south and he found the blind man and sent him to the pool of Siloam, the southern mikvah, to wash his eyes. And he went to the northern pool, northern mikvah, which is Bethesda, and he healed one person, looked for a lame man, found him and healed him. No lame man No blind man would keep the son of David, the son of God, out of the city, fulfilling all things. I'm just showing you this because in your life, things are happening all the time you just don't get. Strange, unusual things because God is fulfilling things in your life. 
Do you understand? You're that important to the Lord. Everything is, if God counts the hair on your head, for goodness sake, who counts the hairs? I don't even count my hair. I've just got, there's so few of that names. <laughs> Wasn't that funny? But he's so into your life, he knows everything about you. You don't even know how the things God knows about you. And he's very concerned, he's very with you about eternity. These things are all temporary. Let no one tell you otherwise, you're passing through. Do you hear what I'm saying? And everything you do every day of your life is going to determine a lot what's happening in the future in your, in your life. It's going to happen a lot. And Paul's life journey brought him to a place on an island called Malta. And here he didn't panic because he had a word from God. He was going to appear before Caesar. So even though the storm couldn't get him, the snake couldn't get him either. And so you can go through one crisis after another. You've got to hang on to what God said. You've got to learn to know what God said happens. Because God's word is powerful. It never returns to him void. The devil hates the word. They slapped Jesus and said, prophesy, we slapped you. They'll always go against prophecy. Do you know it's the only scripture, we told, the only gift we told not to despise? So the scripture says in 1 Thessalonians 5, do not despise prophesying. It doesn't say don't despise healings. We line up a 100 people and heal Pray for healing, only one person gets healed. No one despises because the rest didn't get healed. But you prophesy over people, and one seems wrong out of the hundred, then you hate prophecy. Because the devil hates it. Because he knows that the grass withers and the flower fades, but his word stands forever. You'll take nothing else with you but souls and the word that God gave you. Nothing will change. His word, Jesus said, the heaven and earth will pass away. My word will stand forever. God's word will always stand. So you can cling to God's promises no matter what it looks like. If believing God in a crisis was easy, everybody would be doing it. Come on now. You've got to reach for the top. The bottom's already filled. You've got to believe God for the bigger things and God will push you and challenge you because he wants you to believe. He rejoices and is excited by faith. When two people, he said, that they have great faith, he was excited with two different people that weren't saved, they weren't Christians, and they weren't Jews. But they had great faith. Canaanite woman, she believed God. She didn't even bring her child that was sick, but she wasn't giving up. She whined and continued until they said, send her away. And he would not. He didn't send her away. And when she finally threw herself in front of him, I can't give to the dogs that belong to the children. And she says, well, even the dogs get the crumbs. She says, you've got enough left over for us unbelievers. You're so full of the glory and power. She believed who he was and what he had. And that's why he said, your, your faith, go ahead, you go home. You're, Great faith you have, your child's healed. And the centurion, the same thing. Don't come to my house, just speak the word. The Jews had to break open a roof to get, the, to get that person close to Jesus. The woman said, I can just touch his garment. They had to connect. But someone who, had, who didn't even have the teaching knew and had faith in their hearts. And I'm telling you, your faith is under constant attack to slow you down. You've got to step it up. You've got to shake off the unbelieving fear and know that God's got a destiny and a plan for your life. Not one person in this room is without a destiny. Each one of you, God's got a plan. You're not just here by chance. You're handpicked by God. You may think you just chose salvation, but He chose you. Highly favored of God. The trouble is you think favor makes everything go your way. You get a parking right in front of pick and pay and you think, favor, no. That's not favor. Favor will get you in trouble because favor will make your half-brothers hate you. 
and want to put you in a well and sell you a slavery. Favor will get people, when you walk into the office, stop talking and always put, put trouble your way and make difficulty, talk about you and gossip because the favor of God makes those devils inside of them so mad that they have to react and try and hurt you. But greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You must say to the devil, come on, devil, you can do better than that. Come on, bring on your bad self. Come on. You shouldn't be afraid of the devil. He's afraid of you. You've got all authority, all power over him, all power. Just don't panic. Don't react. When that snake bites you, don't go, Luke, Luke, help me. What kind of, what kind of snake is this? Is this poisonous? No, quit. Don't panic. The Lord told you what's going to happen. You're going to, to Caesar. He never tells you a lot of stuff. He didn't say, and by the way, you're going to have a snake bite you. <laughs> he leaves out all these details because he wants you to stick to the word. Stick to the promise and fight the good fight. Are you hearing me? We're, we are at war, baby. This is not a game. If you want, a, if you want a, a weak Christianity, you got the wrong one. Because it's a fight. God called you. He's empowered you. You have all the resources available to you. Are you hearing me? The entire heaven is on your side. Hallelujah. I'm so glad I serve a live Christ and not a dead Muhammad. Thank you, Jesus. God is good. really is good. He loves you so much. Don't measure God's approval by your circumstances because they will change all the time. God never changes. Can you say amen? amen. All right.